0: Part 2 from A. D. 1745, No. 24, to June 19, 1746, at Cross Weeksung in Forks of Delaware, Cross Weeksung, in New Jersey, November, 1745. Lord's Day, November 24. Preached both parts of the day from the story of Zach Hoyce, Luke 19 9 in the latter exercise, when I opened and insisted upon the salvation that comes to the sinner. Upon his becoming a son of Abraham, or a true believer, the Word seemed to be attended with divine power to the hearts of the hearers. Numbers were much affected with divine truths. Former convictions were revived. One or two persons newly awakened. And a most affectionate engagement in divine service appeared among them universally. The impressions they were under appeared to be the genuine effect of God's Word brought home to their hearts by the power and influence of the Divine Spirit. November 26th After having spent some time in private conferences with my people, I discoursed publicly among them from John 5 9 I was favored with some special freedom and fervency in my discourse, and a powerful energy accompanied divine truths. Many wept and sobbed affectionately, and scarce any appeared unconcerned in the whole assembly. The influence that seized the audience appeared gentle, and yet pungent and efficacious. It produced no boisterous commotion of the passions, but seemed deeply to affect the heart. An excite in the persons under convictions of their lost state, heavy groans and tears and in others who had obtained comfort, a sweet and humble melting. It seemed like the gentle but steady showers that effectually watered the earth, without violently beating upon the surface. The persons lately awakened were, some of them, deeply distressed for their souls and appeared earnestly solicitous to obtain an interest in Christ and some of them, after public worship was over, in anguish of spirit, said, they knew not what to do, nor how to get their wicked hearts changed, etc. November 28. Discourse to the Indians publicly, after having used some private endeavors to instruct and excite some in the duties of Christianity, opened and made remarks upon the sacred story of our Lord's transfiguration, Luke 928 36 Had a principal view, in my insisting upon this passage of Scripture, to the edification and consolation of God's people. And observed some, that I have reason to think are truly such, exceedingly affected with an account of the glory of Christ in His transfiguration. And filled with longing desires of being with Him, that they might with open face behold His glory. After public service was over, I asked one of them, who wept and sobbed most affectionately, what she now wanted. She replied, Oh, to be with Christ. She did not know how to stay, etc. This was a blessed refreshing season to the religious people in general. The Lord Jesus Christ seemed to manifest his divine glory to them, as when transfigured before his disciples. And they, with the disciples, were ready universally to say, Lord, it is good for us to be here. The influence of God's word was not confined to those who had given evidences of being truly gracious, though at this time I calculated my discourse for, and directed it chiefly to, such. But it appeared to be a season of divine power in the whole assembly, so that most were, in some measure, affected. And one aged man in particular, lately awakened, was now brought under a deep and pressing concern for his soul, and was earnestly inquisitive, how he might find Jesus Christ. God seems still to vouchsafe his divine presence and the influence of his blessed spirit to accompany his word, at least in some measure, in all our meetings for divine worship. November 30th. Preach near night, after having spent some hours in private conference with some of my people about their soul's concerns. Explained and insisted upon the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 1619 26 the word made powerful impressions upon many in the assembly especially while i discoursed of the blessedness of lazarus in abraham's bosom this i could perceive affected them much more than what i spoke of the rich man's misery and torments and thus it has been usually with them they have almost always appeared much more affected with the comfortable than the dreadful truths of god's word and that which has distressed many of them under convictions is that they found they wanted and could not obtain the happiness of the godly. At least they have often appeared to be more affected with this, than with the terrors of hell. But whatever be the means of their awakening, it is plain, numbers are made deeply sensible of their sin and misery, the wickedness and stubbornness of their own hearts, their utter inability to help themselves, or to come to Christ for help, without divine assistance. And so are brought to see the perishing need of Christ to do all for them, until lie at the foot of Sovereign Mercy. Lord's Day, December 1. Discourse to my people in the forenoon from Luke 1627 31 There appeared an unfeigned affection in divers persons, and some seemed deeply impressed with divine truths in the afternoon preached to a number of white people. At which time the Indians attended with diligence, and many of them were able to understand a considerable part of the discourse. At night discourse to my people again, and gave them some particular cautions and directions relating to their conduct in divers respects. And pressed them to watchfulness in all their deportment, seeing they were encompassed with those that waited for their halting, and who stood ready to draw them into temptations of every kind, and then to expose religion for their missteps. Lord's Day, December 8th. Discoursed on the story of the blind man, John 9 there appeared no remarkable effect of the word upon the assembly at this time the persons who have lately been much concerned for their souls, seemed now not so affected nor solicitous to obtain an interest in Christ as has been usual although they attended divine service with seriousness and diligence. Such have been the doings of the Lord here, in awakening sinners, and affecting the hearts of those who are brought to solid comfort, with a fresh sense of divine things from time to time, that it is now strange to see the assembly sit with dry eyes, and without sobs and groans. December 12. Preached from the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 25 The divine power seemed in some measure to attend this discourse, in which I was favored with uncommon freedom and plainness of address, and enabled to open divine truths, and explain them to the capacities of my people, in a manner beyond myself. There appeared in many persons an affectionate concern for their souls. Although the concern in general seemed not so deep and pressing as it had formerly done, Yet it was refreshing to see many melted into tears and unaffected sobs. Some with a sense of divine love, and some for want of it. Lord's Day, December 15th. Preached to the Indians from Luke thirteen twenty four 24-28. Divine truths fell with weight and power upon the audience, and seemed to reach the hearts of many. Near-night discourse to them again from Matthew twenty five thirty one 31-46 at which season also the word appeared to be accompanied with a divine influence, and made powerful impressions upon the assembly in general, as well as upon divers persons in a very special and particular manner. This was an amazing season of grace. The word of the Lord, this day, was quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and pierced to the hearts of many. The assembly was greatly affected, and deeply wrought upon. Yet without so much apparent commotion of the passions, as was usual in the beginning of this work of grace. The impressions made by the Word of God upon the audience appeared solid, rational, and deep, worthy of the solemn truths by means of which they were produced, and far from being the effects of any sudden fright, or groundless perturbation of mind. Oh, how did the hearts of the hearers seem to bow under the weight of divine truths! And how evident did it now appear that they received and felt them! not as a word of man, but as the word of God. None can frame a just idea of the appearance of our assembly at this time, but those who have seen the congregation solemnly awed, and deeply impressed, by the special power and influence of divine truths delivered to them in the name of God. December 16th Discourse to my people in the evening from Luke 11 13 After having insisted some time upon the ninth verse, wherein there is a command and encouragement to ask for the divine favors, I called upon them to ask for a new heart with utmost importunity, as the man mentioned in the parable I was discoursing upon, pleaded for loaves of bread at midnight. There was much affection and concern in the assembly. And especially one woman appeared in great distress for her soul. She was brought to such an agony in seeking after Christ, that the sweat ran off her face for a considerable time together although the evening was very cold. And her bitter cries were the most affecting indication of the inward anguish of her heart. December 21st. My people having now attained to a considerable degree of knowledge in the principles of Christianity, I thought it proper to set up a catechetical lecture among them. And this evening attempted something in that form proposing questions to them agreeable to the Reverend Assembly's shorter catechism, receiving their answers, and then explaining and insisting as appeared necessary and proper upon each question, after which I endeavored to make some practical improvement of the whole. This was the method I entered upon. They were able readily and rationally to answer many important questions I proposed to them so that, upon trial, I found their doctrinal knowledge to exceed my own expectations in the improvement of my discourse, when I came to infer and open the blessedness of those who have so great and glorious a God, as had before been spoken of, for their everlasting friend and portion, sundry were much affected. And especially when I exhorted, and indeed to persuade them to be reconciled to God, through His dear Son, and thus to secure an interest in His everlasting favor so that they appear to be not only enlightened and instructed, but affected and engaged in their souls concerned by this method of discoursing. Lord's Day, December 22nd. discoursed upon the story of the young man in the Gospel, Matthew nine sixteen 22 God made it a seasonable word, I am persuaded, to some souls. They were sundry persons of the Indians newly come here, who had frequently lived among Quakers and being more civilized and conformed to English manners than the generality of the Indians, they had imbibed some of the Quakers' errors, especially this fundamental one, namely that if men will but live soberly and honestly, according to the dictates of their own consciences, or the light within, there is then no danger or doubt of their salvation, etc. These persons I found much worse to deal with than those who are wholly under pagan darkness, who make no pretenses to knowledge in Christianity at all. Nor have any self-righteous foundation to stand upon. However, they all, except one, appeared now convinced that this sober, honest life, of itself, was not sufficient to salvation, since Christ himself had declared it so in the case of the young man, and seemed in some measure concerned to obtain that change of heart, the necessity of which I had been laboring to show them. This was likewise a season of comfort to some souls, and in particular to one, The same mentioned in my journal of the 16th instant, who never before obtained any settled comfort, though I have abundant reason to think she had passed a saving change some days before. She now appeared in a heavenly frame of mind, composed and delighted with the divine will. When I came to discourse particularly with her, and to inquire of her, how she got relief and deliverance from the spiritual distresses she had lately been under, she answered in broken English, me try, me try. Save myself, last my strength be all gone, meaning her ability to save herself, could not me stir bit further. Then last, me forced left Jesus Christ alone, send me hell if he please. I said, but you was not willing to go to hell, was you? She replied, could not me help it. My heart he would wicked for all. Could not me make him good. Meaning she saw it was right she should go to hell because her heart was wicked and would be so after all she could do to mend it. I asked her, how she got out of this case. She answered still in the same broken language, Bye bye my heart be grad desperately. I asked her why her heart was glad. She replied, Grad my heart Jesus Christ do what he please with me. Den me tink, grad my heart Jesus Christ send me hell. Did not me care where he put me, me lobe him for all, etc and she could not readily be convinced but that she was willing to go to hell, if Christ was pleased to send her there. Though the truth evidently was, her will was so swallowed up in the divine will, that she could not frame any hell in her imagination that would be dreadful or undesirable, provided it was but the will of God to send her to it. Torb night discourse to them again in the catechetical method I entered upon the evening before. And when I came to improve the truths I had explained to them, and to answer the question, But how shall I know whether God has chosen me to everlasting life, by pressing them to come and give up their hearts to Christ, and thereby to make their election sure? They then appeared much affected and the persons under concern were fresh engaged in seeking after an interest in Him. While some others who had obtained comfort before, were refreshed to find that love to God in themselves, which was an evidence of His electing love to them. December 25th. The Indians having been used upon Christmas days to drink and revel among some of the white people in these parts, I thought it proper this day to call them together, and discourse to them upon divine things which I accordingly did from the parable of the barren fig tree, Luke 136 9 A divine influence, I am persuaded, accompanied the word at the season. The power of God appeared in the assembly, not by producing any remarkable cries, but by shocking and rousing at heart as it seemed, several stupid creatures that were scarce ever moved with any concern before. The power attending divine truths seemed to have the influence of the earthquake rather than the whirlwind upon them. Their passions were not so much alarmed as has been common here in times past, but their judgments appeared to be powerfully convinced by the masterly and conquering influence of divine truths. The impressions made upon the assembly in general, seemed not superficial, but deep and heart affecting. Oh how ready did they now appear universally to embrace and comply with everything they heard and were convinced was duty. God was in the midst of us of a truth, bowing and melting stubborn hearts. How many tears and sobs were then to be seen and heard among us. What liveliness and strict attention, what eagerness and intenseness of mind, appeared in the whole assembly in the time of divine service they seem to watch and wait for the dropping of God's word, as the thirsty earth for the former and latter rain. Afterwards I discoursed to them on the duty of husbands and wives, from Ephesians 5 23 and have reason to think this was a word in season. Spent some time further in the evening, in inculcating the truths I had insisted upon in my former discourse respecting the barren fig tree, and observed a powerful influence still accompany what was spoken. December 26th. This evening I was visited by a person under great spiritual exercise. The most remarkable instance of this kind I ever saw. She was a woman of I believe more than fourscore years old, and appeared to be much broken and very childish through age. So that it seemed impossible for man to instill into her mind any notions of divine things, not so much as to give her any doctrinal instruction, because she seemed incapable of being taught. She was led by the hand into my house, and appeared in extreme anguish. I asked her what ailed her? She answered, that her heart was distressed, and she feared she should never find Christ. I asked her when she began to be concerned? With divers other questions relating to her distress. To all which she answered, for substance, to this effect, namely that she had heard me preach many times, but never knew anything about it, never felt it in her heart till the last Sabbath. And then it came she said all when as if a needle had been thrust into her heart. Since which time, she had no rest day nor night. She added, that on the evening before Christmas, a number of Indians being together at the house where she was, and discoursing about Christ, their talk pricked her heart, so that she could not sit up, but fell down on her bed. At which time she went away, as she expressed it, and felt as if she dreamed, and yet as confident she did not dream. When she was thus gone, she saw two paths. One appeared very broad and crooked and that turned to the left hand. The other appeared straight, and very narrow. And that went up the hill to the right hand. She traveled, she said, for some time up the narrow right hand path, till at length something seemed to obstruct her journey. She sometimes called it darkness, and then described it otherwise, and seemed to compare it to a block or bar. She then remembered what she had heard me say about striving to enter in at the straight gate, although she took little notice of it, at the time when she heard me discourse upon that subject, and thought she would climb over this bar. But just as she was thinking of this, she came back again, as she termed it, meaning that she came to herself. Whereupon her soul was extremely distressed, apprehending she had now turned back and forsaken Christ and that there was therefore no hope of mercy for her. As I was sensible that trances and imaginary views of things, are of dangerous tendency in religion, when sought after, and depended upon. So I could not but be much concerned about this exercise, especially at first. Apprehending this might be a design of Satan to bring a blemish upon the work of God here, by introducing visionary scenes, imaginary terrors, and all manner of mental disorders and delusions. In the room of genuine convictions of sin, and the enlightening influences of the blessed Spirit. Mind, I was almost resolved to declare that I looked upon this to be one of Satan's devices, and to caution my people against it, and the like exercises, as such. However, I determined first to inquire into her knowledge, to see whether she had any just views of things, that might be the occasion of her present distressing concern, or whether it was a mere fright arising only from imaginary terrors. I asked her divers questions respecting man's primitive, and more especially his present, state, and respecting her own heart. Which she answered rationally, and to my surprise. And I thought it was next to impossible, if not altogether so, that a pagan who was become a child through age, should in that state gain so much knowledge by any mere human instruction, without being remarkably enlightened by a divine influence. I then proposed to her the provision made in the gospel for the salvation of sinners, and the ability and willingness of Christ to save to the uttermost all old as well as young that come to him. To which she seemed to give a hearty assent but instantly replied, “Ay, but I cannot come. My wicked heart will not come to Christ. I do not know how to come, etc. And this she spoke in anguish of spirit, striking on her breast with tears in her eyes and with such earnestness in her looks as was indeed piteous and affecting. She seems to be really convinced of her sin and misery, and her need of a change of heart and her concern is abiding and constant. So that nothing appears but that this exercise may have a saving issue. And indeed it seems hopeful, seeing she is so solicitous to obtain an interest in Christ, that her heart as she expresses it prays day and night. How far God may make use of the imagination in awakening some persons under these and such like circumstances, I cannot pretend to determine. Or whether this exercise be from a divine influence, I shall leave others to judge. But this I must say, that its effects hitherto bespeak it to be such nor can it, as I see, be accounted for in a rational way, but from the influence of some spirit, either good or evil. For the woman, I am sure, never heard divine things treated it in the manner she now viewed them in. And it would seem strange she should get such a rational notion of them from the mere working of her own fancy, without some superior, or at least foreign, aid. And yet I must say, I have looked upon it as one of the glories of this work of grace among the Indians, and a special evidence of its being from a divine influence, that there has, till now, been no appearance of such things, no visionary notions, trances, and imaginations, intermixed with those rational convictions of sin, and solid consolations, that numbers have been made the subjects of. And might I have had my desire, there had been no appearance of anything of this nature at all. December 28. Discourse to my people in the catechetical method I lately entered upon. And in the improvement of my discourse, wherein I was comparing man's present with his primitive state, and showing what he had fallen from, and the miseries he is now involved in and exposed to in his natural estate. Impressing sinners to take a view of their deplorable circumstances without Christ. As also to strive that they might obtain an interest in him. The Lord, I trust, granted a remarkable influence of his blessed spirit to accompany what was spoken, and a great concern appeared in the assembly many were melted into tears and sobs, and the impressions made upon them seemed deep and heart affecting. And in particular, there were two or three persons who appeared to be brought to the last exercises of a preparatory work, and reduced almost to extremity. Being in a great measure convinced of the impossibility of their helping themselves, or of mending their own hearts. And seemed to be upon the point of giving up all hope in themselves, and of venturing upon Christ as naked, helpless, and undone. And yet were in distress and anguish because they saw no safety in so doing unless they could do something towards saving themselves. One of these persons was the very aged woman above mentioned, who now appeared weary and heavy laden with a sense of her sin and misery, and her perishing need of an interest in Christ. Lord's Day, December 29th. Preach from John 3 5 A number of white people were present, as is usual upon the Sabbath. The discourse was accompanied with power, and seemed to have a silent, a deep and piercing influence upon the audience. Many wept and sobbed affectionately. And there were some tears among the white people, as well as the Indians. Some could not refrain from crying out, though there were not many so exercised. But the impressions made upon their hearts, appeared chiefly by the extraordinary earnestness of their attention, and their heavy sighs and tears. After public worship was over, I went to my house, proposing to preach again after a short season of intermission. But they soon came in one after another, with tears in their eyes, to know, what they should do to be saved. And the Divine Spirit in such a manner set home upon their hearts when I spoke to them, that the house was soon filled with cries and groans. They all flocked together upon this occasion, and those whom I had reason to think in a Christless state, were almost universally seized with concern for their souls. It was an amazing season of power among them, and seemed as if God had bowed the heavens, and come down. So astonishingly prevalent was the operation upon old as well as young, that it seemed as if none would be left in a secure and natural state, but that God was now about to convert all the world. And I was ready to think then, that I should never again despair of the conversion of any man or woman living, be they who or what they would. It is impossible to give a just and lively description of the appearance of things at this season, at least such as to convey a bright and adequate idea of the effects of this influence. A number might now be seen rejoicing that God had not taken away the powerful influence of his blessed spirit from this place. Refreshed to see so many striving to enter in at the straight gate, and animated with such concern for them, that they wanted to push them forward, as some of them expressed it, at the same time, numbers both of men and women, old and young, might be seen in tears, and some in anguish of spirit, appearing in their very countenances, like condemned malefactors bound towards the place of execution, with a heavy solicitude sitting in their faces, so that there seemed here, as I thought, a lively emblem of the solemn day of accounts. A mixture of heaven and hell, of joy and anguish inexpressible. The concern and religious affection was such, that I could not pretend to have any formal religious exercise among them, but spent the time in discoursing to one and another, as I thought most proper, and seasonable for each, and sometimes addressed them all together, and finally concluded with prayer. Such were their circumstances at the season, that I could scarce have half an hour's rest from speaking from about half an hour before twelve o'clock, at which time I began public worship till past seven at night. There appeared to be four or five persons newly awakened this day and the evening before, some of whom but very lately came among us. December 30th. Was visited by four or five young persons under concern for their souls, most of whom were very lately awakened. They wept much while I discoursed to them, and indeed were to press upon them the necessity flying to Christ, without delay, for salvation. December 31st. Spent some hours this day in visiting my people from house to house, and conversing with them about their spiritual concerns. Endeavoring to press upon Christless souls the necessity of a renovation of heart and scarce left a house, without leaving some or other of its inhabitants in tears, appearing solicitously engaged to obtain an interest in Christ. The Indians are now gathered together from all quarters to this place, and have built them little cottages, so that more than twenty families live within a quarter of a mile of me. A very convenient situations in regard both of public and private instruction January 1st, 1746. Spent some considerable time in visiting my people again. Found scarce one but what was under some serious impressions respecting their spiritual concerns. January 2nd. Visited some persons newly come among us, who had scarce ever heard anything of Christianity before except the empty name. Indeed were to instruct them, particularly by the first principles of religion, in the most easy and familiar manner I could. There are strangers from remote parts almost continually dropping in among us, so that I have occasion repeatedly to open and inculcate the first principles of Christianity. January 4th Prosecuted my catechetical method of instructing. Found my people able to answer questions with propriety. Beyond what to have been expected from persons so lately brought out of heavenish darkness in the improvement of my discourse, there appeared some concern and affection in the assembly and especially those of whom I entertained hopes as being truly gracious, at least divers of them, were much affected and refreshed. Lord's Day, January 5th. Discoursed from Matthew 1210 13 There appeared not so much liveliness and affection in divine service as usual the same truths that have often produced many tears and sobs in the assembly, seemed now to have no special influence upon any in it. Near night I propose to have proceeded in my usual method of catechizing. But while we were engaged in the first prayer, the power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly in such a remarkable manner, and so many appeared under pressing concern for their souls that I thought it much more expedient to insist upon the plentiful provision made by divine grace for the redemption of perishing sinners, and to press them to a speedy acceptance of the great salvation, than to ask them questions about doctrinal points. What was most practicable, seemed most seasonable to be insisted upon, while numbers appeared so extraordinarily solicitous to obtain an interest in the great Redeemer. Baptized two persons this day, One adult the woman particularly mentioned in my journal of December 22nd and one child. This woman has discovered a very sweet and heavenly frame of mind, from time to time, since her first reception of comfort. One morning in particular she came to see me, discovering an unusual joy and satisfaction in her countenance. And when I inquired into the reason of it, she replied, that God had made her feel that it was right for Him to do what He pleased with all things and that it would be right if he should cast her husband and son both into hell. And she saw it was so right for God to do what he pleased with them, that she could not but rejoice if God should send them into hell. Though it was apparent she loved them dearly, she moreover inquired, whether I was not sent to preach to the Indians, by some good people a great way off. I replied, yes, by the good people in Scotland. She answered, that her heart loved those good people so the evening before, that she could scarce help praying for them all night, her heart would go to God for them, etc. So that the blessing of those ready to perish is like to come upon those pious persons who have communicated of their substance to the propagation of the gospel. January 11th Discoursed in the catechetical method, as usual of late. And having opened our first parents' primitive apostasy from God, and our fallen him I proceeded to improve my discourse. By showing the necessity we stood in of an Almighty Redeemer, and the absolute need every sinner has of an interest in his merits and mediation. There was some tenderness and affectionate concern apparent in the assembly. Lord's Day, January 12. Preached from Isaiah 55 6. The word of God seemed to fall upon the audience with a divine weight and influence, and evidently appeared to be not the word of man. The blessed spirit, I am persuaded, accompanied what was spoken to the hearts of many. So that there was a powerful revival of conviction in numbers who were under spiritual exercise before. Towards night kateshized in my usual method. Near the close of my discourse, there appeared a great concern, and much affection in the audience. Which increased while I continued to invite them to come to an all-sufficient Redeemer for eternal salvation. The Spirit of God seems, from time to time, to be striving with numbers of souls here. They are so frequently and repeatedly roused, that they seem unable at present to lull themselves asleep. January 13th was visited by divers persons under deep concern for their souls, one of whom was newly awakened. It is a most agreeable work to treat with souls who are solicitously inquiring what they shall do to be saved. And as we are never to be weary in well-doing, so the obligation seems to be peculiarly strong when the work is so very desirable. And yet I must say, my health is so much impaired, and my spirits so wasted with my labors, and solitary manner of hiving, there being no human creature in the house with me, that their repeated and almost incessant application to me for help and direction, are sometimes exceeding burdensome, and so exhaust my spirits, that I have become fit for nothing at all entirely unable to prosecute any business sometimes for days together. And what contributes much toward this difficulty is, that I am obliged to spend much time in communicating a little matter to them. There being oftentimes many things necessary to be premised, before I can speak directly to what I principally aim at. Which things would readily be taken for granted, where there was a competency of doctrinal knowledge. January 14th Spent some time in private conference with my people, and found some disposed to take comfort, as I thought, upon slight grounds. They are now generally awakened, and it has become so disgraceful, as well as terrifying to the conscience, to be destitute of religion, that they are in imminent danger of taking up with any appearances of grace, rather than to live under the fear and disgrace of an unregenerate state. January 18th Prosecuted my catechetical method of discoursing there appeared a great solemnity, and some considerable affection in the assembly. This method of instructing I find very profitable. When I first entered upon it, I was exercised with fears, lest my discourses would unavoidably be so doctrinal, that they would tend only to enlighten the head, but not to affect the heart. But the event proves quite otherwise. For these exercises have hitherto been remarkably blessed in the latter as well as the former respects. Lord's Day, January nineteenth. Discourse to my people from Isaiah 55 7. Towards night katechized in my ordinary method. And this appeared to be a powerful season of grace among us. Numbers were much affected. Convictions were powerfully revived. And divers of the Christians refreshed and strengthened. And one weary, heavy laden soul, I have abundant reason to hope, brought to true rest and solid comfort in Christ who afterwards gave me such an account of God's dealing with his soul, as was abundantly satisfying as well as refreshing to me. He told me he had often heard me say, that persons must see and feel themselves utterly helpless and undone that they must be emptied of a dependence upon themselves, and of all hope of saving themselves by their own doings, in order to their coming to Christ for salvation. And he had long been striving after this view of things supposing this would be an excellent frame of mind, to be thus emptied of a dependence upon his own goodness. That God would have respected this frame, would then be well pleased with him, and bestow eternal life upon him. But when he came to feel himself in this helpless and dumb condition, he found it quite contrary to all his thoughts and expectations. So that it was not the same frame, nor indeed anything like the frame, he had been seeking after. Instead of its being a good frame of mind, he now found nothing but badness in himself and saw it was forever impossible for him to make himself any better. He wondered, he said, that he had ever hoped to mend his own heart. He was amazed he had never before seen that it was utterly impossible for him, by all his contrivances and endeavors, to do anything that way, since the matter now appeared to him in so clear a light. Instead of imagining now, that God would be pleased with him for the sake of this frame of mind, and this view of his undone estate, he saw clearly, and felt, it would be just with God to send him to eternal misery. And that there was no goodness in what he then felt. For he could not help seeing that he was naked, sinful, and miserable, and there was nothing in such a sight to deserve God's love or pity. He saw these things in a manner so clear and convincing, that it seemed to him, he said, he could convince everybody of their utter inability ever to help themselves. And their unworthiness of any help from God in this frame of mind he came to public worship this evening, and while I was inviting sinners to come to Christ naked and empty, without any goodness of their own to recommend them to his acceptance. Then he thought with himself that he had often tried to come and give up his heart to Christ, and he used to hope that sometime or other he should be able to do so. But now he was convinced he could not, and it seemed utterly vain for him ever to try any more and he could not he said, find a heart to make any further attempt, because he saw it would signify nothing at all nor did he now hope for a better opportunity, or more ability hereafter, as he had formerly done, because he saw, and was fully convinced, his own strength would forever fail. While he was musing in this manner, he saw, he said, with his heart which is a common phrase among them something that was unspeakably good and lovely, and what he had never seen before. And this stole away his heart whether he would or no. He did not, he said, know what it was he saw. He did not say, this is Jesus Christ. But it was such glory and beauty as he never saw before. He did not now give away his heart so as he had formerly intended and attempted to do, but it went away of itself after that glory he then discovered. He used to try to make a bargain with Christ, to give up his heart to him, that he might have eternal life for it. But now he thought nothing about himself, or what would become of him hereafter, But was pleased, and his mind wholly taken up, with the unspeakable excellency of what he then beheld. After some time he was wonderfully pleased with the way of salvation by Christ so that it seemed unspeakably better to be saved altogether by the mere free grace of God and Christ, than to have any hand in saving himself. And the consequence of this exercise is, that he appears to retain a sense and relish of divine things, and to maintain a life of seriousness and true religion. January 28. The Indians in these parts have, in times past, run themselves in debt by their excessive drinking. And some have taken the advantage of them, and put them to trouble and charge by arresting sundry of them. Whereby it was supposed their hunting lands, in great part, were much endangered, and might speedily be taken from them being sensible that they could not subsist together in these parts, in order to there being a Christian congregation, if these lands should be taken, which was thought very likely, I thought it my duty to use my utmost endeavors to prevent so unhappy an event. And having acquainted the gentlemen concerned with this mission of the affair, according to the best information I could get of it, they thought it proper to expend the money they had been, and still were, collecting for the religious interest of the Indians at least a part of it, for discharging their debts, and securing these lands, that there might be no entanglement lying upon them to enter the settlement and hopeful enlargement of a Christian congregation of Indians in these parts. And having received orders from them, I answered, in behalf of the Indians, 82 pounds 5 shillings, New Jersey currency, at 8 shillings per ounce. And so prevented the danger of difficulty in this respect. As God has wrought a wonderful work of grace among these Indians, and now inclines others from remote places to fall in among them almost continually. And as he has opened a door for the prevention of the difficulty now mentioned, which seem greatly to threaten their religious interests, as well as worldly comfort. It is hopeful that he designs to establish a church for himself among them, and hand down true religion to their posterity. January 30. Preach to the Indians from John 3:16. 17. There was a solemn attention and some affection visible in the audience. Especially divers persons who had long been concerned for their souls, seemed afresh excited and engaged in seeking after an interest in Christ. And one, with much concern, afterwards told me, his heart was so pricked with my preaching, he knew not where to turn, nor what to do. January 31st. This day the person I had made choice of and engaged for a schoolmaster among the Indians, arrived among us, and was heartily welcomed by my people universally. Whereupon I distributed several dozen of primers among the children and young people. February 1, 1746 My schoolmaster entered upon his business among the Indians. He has generally about thirty children and young persons in his school in the daytime and about fifteen married people in his evening school. The number of the latter sort of persons being less than it would be, if they could be more constant at home, and spare time from their necessary employments for an attendance upon these instructions. In the evening catechised in my usual method. Towards the close of my discourse a surprising power seemed to attend the word, especially to some persons. One man, considerably in years, who had been a remarkable drunkard, a conjurer, A murderer, that was awakened some months before, was now brought to great extremity under his spiritual distress, so that he trembled for hours together, and apprehended himself just dropping into hell, without any power to rescue or relieve himself. Divers others appeared under great concern as well as he, and solicit us to obtain a saving change. Lord's Day, February 2nd. Preach from John 5 24, 25 there appeared as usual some concern and affection in the assembly. Toward night proceeded in my usual method of catechizing. Observed my people more ready in answering the questions proposed to them than ever before. It is apparent they advance daily in doctrinal knowledge. But what is still more desirable, the Spirit of God is yet operating among them, whereby experimental, as well as speculative, knowledge is propagated in their minds. February 5th. Discourse to a considerable number of the Indians in the evening. At which time divers of them appeared much affected and melted with divine things. February 8th. Spent a considerable part of the day in visiting my people from house to house, and conversing with them about their soul's concerns. Divers persons wept while I discoursed to them, and appeared concerned for nothing so much as for an interest in the great Redeemer in the evening deteshized as usual. Divine Truths made some impression upon the audience, and were attended with an affectionate engagement of soul in some. Lord's Day, February 9th. Discourse to my people from the story of the blind man, Matthew 1046 52 The Word of God seemed weighty and powerful upon the assembly at this time, and made considerable impressions upon many. Divers in particular who have generally been remarkably stupid and careless under the means of grace were now awakened, and wept affectionately. And the most earnest attention, as well as tenderness and affection, appeared in the audience universally. Baptized three persons, two adults and one child. The adults, I have reason to hope, were both truly pious. There was a considerable melting in the assembly, while I was discoursing particularly to the persons, and administering the ordinance. God has been pleased to own and bless the administration of this, as well as of his other ordinances, among the Indians. There are some here that have been powerfully awakened at seeing others baptized. And some that have obtained relief and comfort, just in the season when this ordinance has been administered. Torb night kateshized. God made this a powerful season to some. There were many affected. Former convictions appeared to be powerfully revived. There was likewise one, who had been a vile drunkard, remarkably awakened. He appeared to be in great anguish of soul, wept and trembled, and continued so to do till near midnight. There was also a poor heavy laden soul, who had been long under spiritual distress, as constant and pressing as ever I saw, that was now brought to a comfortable calm, and seemed to be bowed and reconciled to divine sovereignty, and told me, she now saw and felt it was right God should do with her as he pleased. And her heart felt pleased and satisfied it should be so. Although of late she had often found her heart rise and quarrel with God because he would, if he pleased, send her to hell after all she had done or could do to save herself, etc. And added, that the heavy burden she had lain under, was now removed that she had tried to recover her concern and distress again, fearing that the Spirit of God was departing from her, and would leave her wholly careless, but that she could not recover it that she felt she never could do anything to save herself, but must perish forever if Christ did not do all for her that she did not deserve he should help her and that it would be right if he should leave her to perish. But Christ could save her, though she could do nothing to save herself, etc. And here she seemed to rest. Forks of Delaware, in Pennsylvania February 1746. Lord's Day, February 16th. Knowing the divers of the Indians in those parts were obstinately set against Christianity, and that some of them had refused to hear me preach in times past, I thought it might be proper and beneficial to the Christian interest here, to have a number of my religious people from Cross Weeks on with me, in order to converse with them about religious matters hoping it might be a means to convince them of the truth and importance of Christianity, to see and hear some of their own nation discoursing of divine things, and manifesting earnest desires that others might be brought out of heavenish darkness, as themselves were. And having taken half a dozen of the most serious and knowing persons for this purpose, I this day met with them and the Indians of this place, sundry of whom probably could not have been prevailed upon to attend the meeting, had it not been for these religious Indians that accompanied me here, and preached to them. Some of them who had, in times past, been extremely averse to Christianity, now behaved soberly, and some others laughed and mocked. However the word of God fell with such weight and power, that sundry seemed to be stunned, and expressed a willingness to hear me again of these matters. Afterwards prayed with, and made an address to the white people present, and could not but observe some visible effects of the word, such as tears and sobs, among them, after public worship, spent some time and took pains to convince those that mocked, of the truth and importance of what I had been insisting upon, and so endeavored to awaken their attention to divine truths, and had reason to think, from what I observed then and afterwards, that my endeavors took considerable effect upon one of the worst of them. Those few Indians then present, who used to be my heroes in these parts, some having removed from hence to cross seemed somewhat kindly disposed toward, and glad to see me again. They had been so much attacked by some of the opposing pagans, that they were almost ashamed or afraid to manifest their friendship. February 17th After having spent much time in discoursing to the Indians in their respective houses, I got them together, and repeated and inculcated what I had before taught them. Afterwards discourse to them from Acts 8 5-8. A divine influence seemed to attend the word. Sudry of the Indians here appeared to be somewhat awakened, and manifested a concern of mind, by their earnest attention, tears and sobs. My people from Cross on continued with them day and night, repeating and inculcating the truths I had taught them and sometimes prayed and sung psalms among them. Discoursing with each other, in their hearing, of the great things God had done for them, and for the Indians from whence they came which seemed as my people told me to take more effect upon them, than when they directed their discourses immediately to them. February 18th. Preached to an assembly of Irish people near fifteen miles distant from the Indians. February 19th. Preached to the Indians again, after having spent considerable time in conversing with them more privately. There appeared a great solemnity, and some concern and affection among the Indians belonging to these parts, as well as a sweet melting among those who came with me. Divers of the Indians here seemed to have their prejudices and aversion to Christianity removed, and appeared well disposed and inclined to hear the word of God. February 20th. Preached to a small assembly of high Dutch people, who had seldom heard the gospel preached, and were some of them at least very ignorant. The divers of them have lately been put upon inquiry after the way of salvation, with some thoughtfulness. They gave wonderful attention, and some of them were much affected under the word, and afterwards says, as I was informed, that they never had been so much enlightened about the way of salvation in their whole lives before. They requested me to tarry with them, or come again and preach to them. And it grieved me that I could not comply with their request for I could not but be affected with their circumstances. They being as sheep not having a shepherd, and some of them appearing under some degree of soul trouble, standing in peculiar need of the assistance of an experienced spiritual guide. February 21 Preached to a number of people, many of them low Dutch. Sundry of the aforementioned high Dutch attended the sermon, though eight or ten miles distant from their houses. Divers of the Indians also belonging to these parts came of their own accord with my people from Cross to the meeting. And there were two in particular, who, though the last Sabbath they opposed and ridiculed Christianity, now behaved soberly. May the present encouraging appearance continue. February 22nd. Preached to the Indians. They appeared more free from prejudice, and more cordial to Christianity, than before and some of them appeared affected with divine truths. Lord's Day, February 23rd. Preached to the Indians from John 635 37 After public service, discoursed particularly with sundry of them, and invited them to go down to Cross Weeksung, and tarry there at least for some time. Knowing they would then be free from the scoffs and temptations of the opposing pagans, as well as in the way of hearing divine truths discoursed of, both in public and private, and got a promise of some of them, that they would speedily pay us a visit, and attend some further instructions. They seem to be considerably enlightened, and much freed from their prejudices against Christianity. But it is much to be feared their prejudices will revive again, unless they could enjoy the means of instruction here, or be removed where they might be under such advantages, and out of the way of their pagan acquaintance. Cross in New Jersey, March, 1746. March 1st. catechized in my ordinary method. Was pleased and refreshed to see them answer the questions proposed to them with such remarkable readiness, discretion, and knowledge. Toward the close of my discourse, divine truths made considerable impressions upon the audience, and produced tears and sobs in some under concern. And more especially a sweet and humble melting in sundry that, I have reason to hope, were truly gracious. Lord's Day. March 2nd, preached from John 15:1-6. The assembly appeared not so lively in their attention as usual, nor so much affected with divine truths in general as has been common. Some of my people, who went up to the Forks of Delaware with me, being now returned, were accompanied by two of the Indians belonging to the Forks, who had promised me a speedy visit. May the Lord meet with them there. They can scarce go into a house now. But they will meet with Christian conversation, whereby, it is hopeful, they may be both instructed and awakened. Discourse to the Indians again in the afternoon, and observed among them some liveliness and engagement in divine service, thought not equal to what has often appeared here. I know of no assembly of Christians, where there seems to be so much of the presence of God, where brotherly love so much prevails, and where I should take so much delight in the public worship of God, in the general, As in my own congregation although not more than nine months ago, they were worshipping devils and dumb idols under the power of pagan darkness and superstition. Amazing change this. Affected by nothing less than divine power and grace. This is the doing of the Lord, and it is justly marvelous in our eyes. March 5th. Spent some time just at evening in prayer, singing, and discoursing to my people upon divine things and observed some agreeable tenderness and affection among them. Their present situation is so compact and commodious, that they are easily and quickly called together with only the sound of a conch shell, a shell like that of a periwinkle, so that they have frequent opportunities of attending religious exercises publicly. Which seems to be a great means, under God, of keeping alive the impressions of divine things in their minds. March 8. Kateshized in the Evening. My people answered the questions proposed to them well. I can perceive their knowledge in religion increases daily. And what is still more desirable, the divine influence that has been so remarkable among them appears still to continue in some good measure. The divine presence seemed to be in the assembly this evening. Some, who I have good reason to think are Christians indeed, were melted with a sense of the divine goodness, and their own barrenness and ingratitude, and seemed to hate themselves. As one of them afterwards expressed it, convictions also appeared to be revived in several instances, and divine truths were attended with such influence upon the assembly in general that it
1: might justly be called an evening of divine power. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books. MP3s and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwaters Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwaters Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan hard drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources It's fully upgradable, and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan Hard Drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan Hard Drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan Hard Drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan Hard Drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s and videos that we offer at Stillwaters Revival Books.